y'all feeling this morning? All right, let's all stand back up. I want you to stand up. We're going to pray. We're going to pray standing today. We're focusing on prayer, and that's been our focus as a congregation for the summer. So let's bow our heads, and you can hold hands with the people next to you. And I don't know what there is about holding hands, but I think it's that unity thing, and it's just you feel more connected to God, I think, when you're holding someone's hand. If you really don't want to hold hands, that's fine too, but hopefully the Lord will speak to you. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for the, just the bright uh, faces and, and just great voices of leading us in song this morning. Thank you, Father, for the, the love of the fellowship of brothers and sisters and family and friends from neighborhoods all throughout the Inland Empire. Thank you uh, for the breath of life, uh, for the health to even be able to make it this morning. And certainly, Lord, we want to ask for those that don't have that health that you would minister and heal them. Uh, Father, they are all in our hearts. Father, we ask that you would work today in a great way to open our minds. uh, Help us, Father, to understand your ways deeper, to commune with you as we live not by uh, sight but by faith, Lord. As we don't live by what we see with our eyes but what we know you promise us. Father, we ask right now that uh, we could settle and still our hearts and focus our minds on you and your word on understanding the plans that you have for us, on understanding your will for our life, that we would know your will, and that we would live by faith. Father, we ask that you speak now through uh, the scriptures and the sharing. Uh, God, be with us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we had a great high school graduation event last night down in Orange County for the whole L.A. church, and want to commend our high school graduates. We also had a great uh, college graduation the week before, and it's encouraging to see that kind of accomplishment coming through high school, coming through college. And, you know, we hope that happens for all of us and for those that are near us. When you start high school, you want to finish. When you start college, you want to finish. And that's sort of a living by what's unseen type of thing, right? You you, you know, it hasn't happened yet. And I began to think about, you know, in our lives, there's a lot of things we would like to see happen, but we haven't seen them happen. And that's where faith comes into play. In each of our lives, there are many things we would like to see happen. We would like to know will happen. And someday with spiritual eyes, of course, we want to see the presence of God in an eternal setting, right, in heaven. And we live for that each day. But what about you this morning? What do you really want to happen in your life? What do you really want to see happen in your life? I know in my life there's a lot of things I want to see happen. As I reflect on it and pray during the week, without question, I I want my physical family close to God. Right? There's nothing more than I want them secure in God's grace and in His love. I I want my immediate family, my wife and I, to stay connected and close to God. I want Kyle and Caitlin, my two children, to walk with God, to know God. I'm so grateful Kyle's learning in the team ministry, studying the Bible. I'm so proud of him. And want him to, to yearn to be near God and, and to trust God and have a heart to choose God, not be told he has to, but want it. But I want that also for my older brother, for my younger brother, for my father who is an atheist, for my 
And my new Chinese mother-in-law that he married several years ago, I want that for my, um, for my little sisters and my older sister. I want that for my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law. I want that for my extended family. Just in my own family, there's a lot of deep desires that I have. I want them to be near God. My, my younger sister-in-law, oh, I desperately want her near God. And I want her to walk with God and fight for God and, and, and be the woman God made her to be. What about you today? What are the things you really want to happen in your life? What do you want to see happen? You know, in the campus, we want to see a hundred faithful disciples of Jesus in the Inland Empire campuses. And we've been praying and we've been fasting and we want to see that happen. You know, we've seen it before, but we want to see it again. We want, we want to experience that. You know, there's a lot of things in our life we want to see happen. And I want you at this time to really think about what are the things that are meaningful to you? And understand this, for us to see the unseen, like Tom said, it is going to take faith. And the title today is How to Have Great Faith. How to have great faith. We need it. In Hebrews chapter 11, we find in the text there, what happens when you have great faith? Well, the writer says, and what more shall we say in verse 32? Hebrews 11, he says, I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. Any of us have a weakness? We wish one there. Or a weakness that is there, but it turns into a strength in your life by faith. Who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Family members, not what they need to be or wish they were or the circumstances we wish they were needing to be. Or they, they flat out went from being great to being dead. They were raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they may gain a better resurrection. We need great faith to make great things happen. You need great faith to make great things happen. You need great faith to become a Christian. You cannot have peace in your heart without faith. You know, we find in Galatians chapter 3, if you want to turn there, Galatians 3 Verse 26, it says right there, it says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Faith. Faith brings salvation. When? At our baptism, yeah. Is baptism, what is that? Is that a work? No, that's an act of faith. That is faith being made complete. That is saying Jesus died, so I'm going to die. Jesus resurrected, and I believe it, and I'm resurrecting. And it was awesome to see uh, baptisms the last couple weeks. There's been a lot of them going on in the congregation. And you know what? God wants to see more and more and more. Don't you want to see one in your Bible talk? Don't you want to see one in your physical family? 
I love the teen baptisms. Now, the sharing at the teen baptisms is a little long. Sometimes it goes on and on and on and on. But I'll tell you what. When it's my son's turn, I'm going to let it go on as long as they want it to go. So, you know, I, I understand. I understand. You know, we love seeing the faith of a new life. We love seeing that God wants to see that again and again. And we need great faith. We need great faith to overcome this world. And we talked last week, the title of the lesson was Never Give Up. And so I thought it appropriate today that we're going to read today a text of one of the greatest examples I find in the scriptures of a woman of great faith. Because how are we going to have great faith? That's the title. How are we going to do it? Well, I want us to imitate the Canaanite woman. All right. How are you going to imitate? Well, you got to read what she did and you got to put it in your life. You got to figure out how can I do this on a daily basis? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says to imitate people's faith. Imitate those who through faith. All right. Why don't we turn to that before we go there? Michael, if you want to put that up, if you can do it quick. Hebrews 6, let's turn there. Hebrews 6, verse 12. I want you to see this verse because my main point, I got one point. We want to have great faith. You're going to have to imitate. And today I want our minds on imitating the faith of this Canaanite woman. And there is too much to make one point in her example. So it's just simply this. Imitate the faith of the Canaanite woman. But I want you to see this is God's call to all of us. In Hebrews 6, verse 12, we find that it says, We do not want you to become lazy. But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So a lot of us say, Steve, how do I have that kind of faith? I want to have faith. Okay, well, we're going to learn. We're going to have to imitate. And what I found in the scriptures is really we see faith comes from hearing the message, which we're going to hear right now. We're going to see examples. We're hearing it. But, you know, often Jesus is just, he tells them, have faith, have faith. Have faith. Have faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can make this happen or that happen. You can do amazing things. I think faith is one of the things you've got to decide to have it. You've got to decide, I'm going to be faithful. You ever do that before? Just push yourself. Just I've got to do something that shows I'm faithful. You know, in thinking about our plan as a campus ministry to grow it, and thinking about our, our plan as a whole region to grow, and thinking about any specific situation you want to see happen that hasn't happened, you have to do something to make it happen. Faith is doing things. It really is. Faith isn't just sitting there, right? Faith without works is dead. you gotta, you got to say, okay, if I have faith, it creates an energy to make things happen. It really does. It's not the work that's the power. It's God that's the power. But when you have faith, he gets you doing stuff. Let's look at the, the story of the, of the Canaanite uh, woman. It's a parallel passage from Mark where they called her a Greek uh, from Syrophoenicia. But they, Matthew, as he writes this text, he calls her the Canaanite woman. I want us to begin in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. All right, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 and, uh, Michael, are you going to put that up on the screen? I think it's fine if we can put that up there. I don't know if you have the, the verses. Uh, I want to read it from the, uh, the NIV. Uh, I have, um, okay, I have the uh, NIV version here, 2010, which is interesting. Uh, it's a little different than the 1984 version, and I'll explain that as we go along. There's some interesting changes in there. I'll bring that up when the time comes. But uh, let's begin reading, all right? And I'll go ahead and read it from, from this. It says, in verse 21, it says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. 
A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord. That's the change there. If you had the older version, it says, yes, Lord. She says, yes, it is. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This is an amazing story in the text. There you are. Thank you, Michael. Amazing story in the text. We find here that it says Jesus withdrew. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew. Why was he withdrawing? Well, if you had read the chapter before, you realize that he had learned of John the Baptist's death. He had wanted to go to a solitary place. When he got there, crowds came to him and seeing their needs, he continued to meet their needs. But see, he did want to get away and, and have some rejuvenation time, some refocus time. That's okay. The Lord tried to do that. Of course, when he tried to get there, more needs came up and he just kept meeting them. But, but it is a principle. You see, he did withdraw there, you know, to this area which is near Galilee, which is his hometown. But it's, it's up the coast from where he lived. And uh, what's interesting is we had the opportunity to, uh, to go to this area. Um, you know, it's uh, Tyre and Sidon uh, is in Lebanon these days. And we had a chance to go there. Michael, let's show them what the area looks like. This is the coastline of, of Tyre. And uh, Carrie and I, with Mike and Libby, went there uh, a couple of years ago when we were ministering to the church in Beirut. Next slide. Uh, this is a, a view from uh, one of the areas outside the city there. Next slide. That's a, 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 like a middle, uh, medieval castle that got built for uh, defending uh, various invaders of the area. And that's a kind of a view from the city. You can see how the city's built up now along the coastline. Next one. Uh, that's the, the Mediterranean Ocean right there. And that's sort of the, along the coast. That's the overview of sort of the area uh, that he, Jesus visited right there. That's just from two years ago. That's the Sidon and Tyre area. So he withdrew to this area uh, just near up the coastline from Jerusalem. And he went there in order to, you know, maybe rejuvenate with his disciples. And we read in the Mark text that he went to a home and didn't want anyone to know. But, you know, people found out about it. And this Canaanite woman had heard, she must have heard something, because here, the Canaanite women, what, what was interesting about that? Matthew writes that because if you know the history, of course, the land of Canaan was where the Israelites came to, to take over. It was a land of milk and honey, a beautiful land, and, and the area is very beautiful, but it was inhabited by very ungodly people. The Canaanites were known for worshiping false gods, the fertility goddess, uh, Ashtoreth, and they would build these, uh, for these poles that, that were symbols of, of, of fertility. They would uh, even go so far as in some of their rituals, they would sacrifice their own children. Uh, a common way of worshiping God amongst the Canaanites was prostitution. Engaging in prostitution was part of their religious ritual. Uh, it was an ungodly culture that, that the Israelites had uh, come upon to conquer, that God allowed them to overrun. And so the image in the minds of a Jew would be, okay, you know, they're ungodly, evil people. They're not worth anything. 
And she had obviously heard about Jesus somehow from all the other healings that he had performed throughout the land. And she comes to him, and it says in the text right there that she approaches him and says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. You know, somehow she knew that Jesus was the son of David. Somehow she understood what that really implied was he's the Messiah. That Jesus had the answers. That he was the Savior. She knew. You know, when we have issues in our life, do you know where to go to get them solved? Do you really understand the ultimate answer to all, all my desires, the ones I've been thinking about, my, my family being close to God, is, is, is Jesus is the answer. If I can lead them to Jesus, he is the answer. And she comes to him understanding that and says, have mercy on me. You know, how do you approach your relationship with God? She comes to him and says, the first thing she says is, she doesn't try to give reasons why. You read other texts in the scriptures when people came to Jesus, they said, hey, this person deserves to have you do this because they built your, your temple or this person did this and so you ought to. And yet she comes and just says, have mercy on me. How do you approach your relationship with God? Do we feel at times that we're entitled to something? Do we think we deserve blessings? You know, I know sometimes I do. Sometimes I just think things ought to work out for me. I put a lot of good time in. In fact, one of the greatest challenges to your faith will be when you think you deserve something and you don't get it. And the test will be put before you. Will you be bitter or will you be humble? It, we, often, we just think we deserve to be treated right. Certainly within the congregation, we deserve to be treated right. And yes, the church of Jesus Christ ought to treat each other right. But you know what? We're filled with, with sin. We need the grace of God. And none of us deserves anything. Mike regularly says, you know, we deserve to be caught, killed, skinned alive, you know. Or I guess you wouldn't be skinned alive if you were, you know, if you were killed. But, you know, caught, killed, whatever. He has all these terminologies. And he knows it. He's like, hey, what do we deserve? We don't deserve anything. And that is the truth. Before God, the human race, oftentimes, you ever read the headlines and see the most disgusting things? I mean, Yahoo News. You know, if you go on that, on, you start reading just little news articles. There's crazy stuff. Right? There was some, like, guy, they thought it was a zombie eating somebody recently. Literally. I mean, this stuff's in the news. Crazy stuff in the news. When I read about the degradation of our society, I just say, Lord, just end it now. You ever think that? It's hot. End it now. When you read about abduction of children, don't you want the world to end? I just think, Lord, stop. It's just evil. We, don't, we really don't deserve. If the Lord allowed a meteor to hit the earth, that would be justice. That would be just fine, right? If, 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 if we blew ourselves up in a nuclear war, that would be justice. That would be, that, that wouldn't, God wouldn't be mean to anybody. If not one soul made it to eternity, that's not God being mean. That's just right. That's just how it is. No one deserves heaven. No one deserves eternity because we're a mess. The human race is a mess. And yet we feel entitled so often. We've got to realize that really everything is just grace. Everything is grace. We need God so desperately. I hope you approach him that way. Whatever stage, you know, we live in a, a suburb of, of, you know, L.A. It's really nice. Our lives are pretty smooth and easygoing. 
Have you forgotten your need for God? I hope you see it. I hope you can, you can clear out all the short-term comfort and see that you cannot have true peace. You cannot have true happiness without a connection to God. You know, I'm really excited to get a chance to reveal this to some of the college students and, and really the whole congregation. Show the next slide, Michael, the picture of the... This summer, uh, our congregation is partnering uh, really with all the other campuses. And, and in the middle of August, we are going to be a part of the Volunteer Corps of Mexico. 20 of our college students and 20 of the uh, Lighthouse College students are going to go and build a home for the homeless in Mexico. And we're going to uh, minister to the orphans. Uh, they, 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 the project works side by side. We're going to build a home. Uh, for some of the families that are taking care of the orphans, and we're going to go ahead and minister to the orphans directly in the middle of of, uh, of August. Isn't that awesome? We uh, we are in the month of, in the end of the month. We're going to take up uh, some some collections to try to do that and try to help get the fundraising going. And and there's other fundraising going on to raise money for that. If you want to be a part of that, Sylvia Mardigan is making the list of the students that are going to go on that. Uh, so. Uh, it's going to be an incredible project, exciting time. I'm so grateful because I know we'll get to see, you know, that really we, we, we had nothing to do with being born where we were born. We were, God just allowed it to happen. Some of you were really born into comfort and security and safety and blessing after blessing after blessing. And you had nothing to do with it. You didn't deserve it. So now we got to give back. we got to give back. That's what the missions contribution is about. You know, the missions goes to build the church directly. All right. Uh, it doesn't go to, to do the orphanage, but it goes to, to change lives. It goes when, when we when we do missions as a church, you know, it's because we're trying to change the world because we we can't just focus on ourselves, on our own town, on our own safety. And I think about I want my physical family right with God, but I absolutely need to care about the world. Amen. So you think about this Canaanite woman, you know, what was her heart? Her heart was for her daughter. Her heart was for her daughter to change. You know, if you notice this, she comes to Jesus, the daughter's not even with her. That's some faith right there. That's something to learn from. Jesus can change things if you, on behalf of other people. This reflects the idea of prayer, right? When we're praying for people, God can work. They don't have to be standing right next to us. God can begin to work in powerful ways. He, she comes to Jesus. Now, here's the amazing thing I want you to begin to see. And this fits to last week's lesson on never give up. Notice what happens when she comes to Jesus. It's really remarkable. She comes to him and tells him the situation. And it says in verse 23, he doesn't even answer. Not a word. Now, wait a minute. This is Jesus. Just a chapter before, he sees a crowd of harassed people, and it says he has compassion on them. Let me tell you, Jesus cared for her. I'm sure he knew fully what was going on. He's the Lord. He understood what was going on. But he was testing her. God's testing us. What do you really want to happen? I want you to imitate the faith of this woman. God was testing her. You know what else? He was testing the disciples as well. Notice the disciples, right after he, he didn't say a word, they kind of take the cue. And I think he's testing them. He doesn't say a word. But then right away it says, the disciples came and said, send her away. She keeps, she's bothering us. Now wait a minute. The Lord been training you to help the needy, to meet needs. 
Did they go on, were they on vacation? Do you go on vacation spiritually when you actually go on vacation? I heard Rocky's going on a great, you know, anniversary vacation to Europe. But do we go on vacation spiritually? I think some of us do. I mean, I, I know we need to turn off and refocus, but we, we can't go on vacation from loving people. I think they lost their mission. They're like, ah, send her away. I mean, they, they weren't seen. And Jesus is letting it go. He's, he's, he's testing them. He's testing them. You know, she was bold. She was persistent. The disciples were like, send her away. You know, they had lost their mission-mindedness. Church, we can't lose the mission-mindedness. You can't lose it. When people come and hear the word of God, it will change their life. When they hear about lives changed through confession of sin, when they hear about lives changed through the word of God ministering to our hearts, it's going to move people. You know, just two weeks ago, we had two guys baptized at UC Riverside. It was so exciting. One of the young men, he, he, he grew up in a, in a non-Christian family with, with you know, really his, his background was uh, different religious uh, orientation. His family was from um, different parts of Asia, and he didn't really understand. He, he, he was embroiled in all kinds of typical college worldliness, but he'd gotten sick of it. And he'd realized there's no answer here. There's no hope here. You know what? He had, he had to do away with drugs and sexuality and immorality and all kinds of garbage in his life. And he was eager to change. And when he saw the word of God, when he saw the message of what it really meant to be a disciple, he said, count me in. He kept begging us, when can I get baptized? I'm ready. And we're like, okay, okay, we're going to teach you a little more. We want to make sure you're solid. We want to make sure you're solid. When's the last time we've had the faith to see someone make it in a week? You know, on, on Tuesday night, um, Keith Davis from uh, the leader of the church up in Sacramento was down visiting. He joined our staff. And what I thought was so inspiring, and I had forgotten, he shared at, during the, the midweek lesson for the singles on campus that, you know, he had been invited out and baptized. And it took him one week to make it from the day he came out to the day he got baptized. And he's now leading a church. You don't think there's people like that in your neighborhood, in your workplace, maybe sitting in this auditorium right now? Have we lost our mission-mindedness? We can't be like these, the apostles who sort of got distracted, right? We've got to be like the Canaanite woman. We've got to imitate her. What does she do? Well, she's obviously crying out, right? She's crying out. She's loud. She's bold. She's willing to do whatever it takes. You ever do something bold lately? Faith is being bold. I remember when we were on 4th of July a couple of years ago, we were at a uh, campus conference and we joined up with uh, Steve and Shonda Stevenson. If you know Shonda very well, she's, she's very bold and uh, my wife is bold and we were watching, I think it was like a, it was a fireworks show and I think it was John Cougar Mellencamp concert going on and we were like, wait, it was packed 4th of July. We were like, oh, how are we I want to see it. I, I really like it. I want to get closer. So Shonda's like, let's just go. And it was free. You're allowed to go for free, but because it was like this big, huge field, but it was so packed with people, we literally walked almost right to the stage. And, and you know what? It was just boldness. I was like, Shonda, you're going there? Okay, you're going there. Carrie, there. And we, were, we just went. And next thing I know, I'm like looking right at the stage. I'm like, wow. Boldness. Faith. She's crying out loud. You know, and they're saying, ah, oh, send her away. You can imagine how discouraged she would have felt if it were you or I, right? But what does she do? Well, Jesus then gives her another discouragement. Look in verse 24. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, which is true. He was sent to the Jews. But I thought it so interesting that, you know, she perseveres through them trying to send her away. But then he even says, well, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And she doesn't give up. 
She doesn't give up. Look what happens. She says, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me! Exclamation point right there. You see that? Help me! She kneels. She goes forward. She fights through the opposition, through the resistance. Even though she was being humiliated and greatly discouraged. Help me. Are you willing to ask for help? One of the greatest things that wrecks our life is in our pride, we will not ask for help. You ever been there? I don't know what, what it is in our nature. I think that we're just so self-reliant that we just won't ask for help. And yet it's in asking for help that we're demonstrating real faith and God commends faith. Will you ask for help in your life right now? Isn't that what discipling is all about? Is that we, we ask one another for help and we help each other? We get involved. You know, some of us right now are addicted to drugs. Some of us right now are, are medicating our pain. But we're too prideful to ask for help. Some of us right now, we're in a bad marriage relationship. And we know we ought to get some help, but we're, we're too prideful. We don't want to admit things are going downhill. Some of us are in a bad spiritual place. And we don't want to admit it. You know what I admit, man, I'm hurting. I'm not where I need to be. You know, this woman came, she had faith. What is faith? Asking for help. It takes faith to ask for help. The Bible says you cannot please God without faith. You gotta ask for help. It's a demonstration of humility. And God loves that. You know, you have a relationship of any kind right now, you need help to make it work correctly. You will not have a healthy relationship without other people, without the word of God, and, and usually more than one person, multiple people in your life. Church, we, we got to have the humility to ask for help for the needs in our life. You ask for help, the help will come. You know, I'm so grateful uh, this morning, uh, Brandon, our head usher, came up and, you know, he introduced the new uh, two head ushers that are going to help with the congregation. Uh, I'm so grateful that's Herschel and Darren, Darren Carlson and Herschel Green are going to start helping. They're being trained right now. But, you know, he asked for help and help came. And I was just so proud to see, you know, they, they stepped up. People want to meet needs. You know, in here, I know you want to meet needs. In the church, so many needs are getting met. But it comes when we ask for help. And that's what she did. She knelt down and she asked for help. You know, and even after she does that, look at this in verse 26. The third time, rejected. Jesus says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Wow. Not only did he remain silent, not only did the disciples, you know, sort of humiliate her. Ah, get rid of her. She's crying out, you know, make her look bad and make her feel bad. And then Jesus says, well, I wasn't sent to you. And then she kneels, help me, look at, this is Jesus. And he, he you know, he, he knows what's going on. He's trying to inspire you guys. By this woman, this, this ungodly woman from a culture that was di disgusting, had caught wind of the truth, had caught wind of who Jesus was, and was, and was going after it, wasn't going to let it go. Knew that if I could just get connected to Jesus, he could heal my daughter. This thing I want to see happen can happen if I get connected to Jesus. Are we too sensitive? And some of us are too sensitive. Something bad happens and we just run away. You know, I've learned this in marriage. That you, you just can't be, you got to be sensitized and sensitive, but not weak. In other words, 
you have to be willing to battle a little bit. You have to be willing to suffer in a good marriage, husbands and wives. Dating couples, you want to have a healthy relationship, you're going to have to have a few battles here and there. And you're going to have to suffer with each other. And you can't shut down and just run off. I know sometimes when I feel attacked, maybe in conversations or in marriage, or it could be in anything, it could be, you know, in, in ministry work. You know, what our first reaction is we want to run. We want to shut down, right? We want, we want to run from the pain of the conflict that's going on. But we can't do that. She had a lot of conflict. She had a lot of opposition, a lot of difficulty. But she doesn't run away from it. You've got to be willing to mix it up. You can't be so overly sensitized that you shut down and run away. That you stay involved. That you stay connected. You know, I've found that what Carrie really likes is if I argue with her a little bit, and I kind of, you know, yeah, and I fight with her a little bit. But I don't run away. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, you get really mad and you want to just shut down. I mean, that's happened many times. And I, I want to leave. I want to go in my man cave, you know, the man cave. I mean, I want to shut the door in the cave. And I want to be in my cave and leave me alone. She doesn't like when I go in there in, in those moments. She doesn't mind, you know, for other reasons. But when I'm in there, you know, after an argument, she's like, you know, she feels like I let her down. Like, I got Am I not? Is she not worth me fighting for? Husbands, is your wife not worth fighting for? She is. Relationships are worth fighting for. You know, disciples that we're trying to help, our family members are worth fighting for. It's a struggle. It's a battle. How do you have faith? You're going to have to struggle and battle and fight and get in there and not give up. Last week's lesson, not give up, right? Don't give up. Never give up. That was the lesson. I thought it would be important to reiterate it because we can't give up. I don't want you to forget. What is great faith? It's not giving up. It's struggling, it's fighting, it's suffering, it's wrestling with challenges in your life. That is life. It's intended to be that way. Struggles are good. You cannot become who God made you to be without struggle. You know, I've been, you know, I, I thought about my life. I don't have that many problems. My biggest problem is I want to see great things happen and they're not always happen the way I want. I want them to happen. And I realized, okay, this inspired me. It's faith. I got to struggle we got to try more things. You know, we called the campus together on um, Saturday morning because we said, you know, we got 21 days left before the end of the month. And we want to make great things happen. We can't just let it go by. You know, it's easy versus let stuff go by. It's graduation. It's finals. You know, you're going on vacation. It's too easy for us to let stuff go by. We said no. We called an emergency. We're going to gather up and pray. We met at 630 in the morning on the hill overlooking the Inland Empire. You know what fired me up? was like several of our youngest Christians, you know, Alex and Alvin, who just got baptized, were the first ones there. Early, ready to go. Young Christians, like, okay, what are we going to do? That faith. I want to see great things happen. Are we going to go gently into that good night and not, and not make changes? Are you going to give up on the things you want to see happen? Your kids, your family, your friends, your Bible talk being fruitful? We can't do it. we got to be faithful. We've got to have the faith of this Canaanite woman who, after all this opposition, notice the opposition. She doesn't stop. And maybe the greatest thing, and this is what turns the corner. She says in verse 27, yes, Lord, or according to the new NIV, and I'm not sure why they retranslated it like this. Yes, it is. In other words, yes, it is to, okay to, to give the crumbs. I don't know exactly the point, but whatever. I mean, if, if she really said that, I've got to look at the Greek. I'm no expert scholar on Greek. But if she just told the Lord... According to my version, it says, yes, it is, Lord. So she was like contradicting the Lord. What I see in that is, man, that is just bold. That is just, you're going to do it. You can do it. It's okay. Make it happen. Don't give up that kind of faith. 
But then, you know, she says, yes, Lord, yes. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She admitted the truth. Call, you know, Jesus referencing you know, the Canaanites, they're, they're, they're ungodly people. You know, and she just, you know, is a, is, a, is a call to her own pride. She didn't care. She's like, you know, okay, you're right. I'm not worth anything. But even the dogs eat the food that comes from the master's table. She admitted the truth. Are you willing to admit the truth in your life to make the changes you need to make? To get the help you need to make? To have the faith you want to have? She didn't care. She simply wanted to see her daughter healed. She wanted to see her daughter healed, and that is some faith. Three, maybe four oppositions right in front of her. How quickly do you give up on making things happen that you want to see happen? Where's our faith congregation? we got to elevate it. The prayer. We can't. We, last week we said never give up praying. we got to keep pushing for prayer. Family group leaders, have you scheduled some group prayer times? You know you don't have to be a family small group leader to plan that. Grab somebody in the car and say, let's meet this week early and pray. Let's do some amazing things. Let's do deeds of faith, acts of faith, and let's share about them. God intends to grow this congregation in incredible ways. He intends to use your life in incredible ways. But you're going to need to have a great faith. How are you going to have it? You've got to imitate the Canaanite woman. And let's just take a quick look at here. What are, the, what are the marks of her great faith? We see that in the beginning she was desperate. You know, she was desperate. She knew where to find help. Right? She, when you have faith, you just the, the, the solution pops into your mind. You know, if, you're, if, you, if you want to have faith, you're going to have solutions. Jesus is the ultimate solution. You know, she was willing to cry out. You want to have faith? You've you got to cry. You've got to be loud. You know, uh, in the sports world, you know, they always tell you, you know, you've got to be loud on the field. You've got to talk on the field. You've got to make it. You can't be timid on the field. You gotta talk. Hey, get that guy. Get that guy. Hey, cover him. Cover that. You, you gotta cry out. Works in life too. You can't be discouraged too easily. Multiple times, will you overcome multiple opposition? You gotta be humble. Know where you stand. You know, you gotta admit your weaknesses. You gotta kneel down. You gotta be willing to beg, Lord, help me. Admit the truth. I don't deserve anything. And you gotta never give up. If you have those characteristics, you will have great faith and great things will happen in your life. Let's imitate the Canaanite woman. Amen. I love to study out the concept of faith and to see how many different uh, individuals in the Bible that God uses to try to help us understand what faith is and what it's not. And I think part of that's because faith is such a, a misunderstood concept in the world. The idea of believing in God or acknowledging His existence or even acknowledging the truth is something.